The city that started Poland's solidarity movement is coming into its own today as an attractive visitor destination. The cosmopolitan port city of Gdansk has been opening new museums and spiffing up its nightlife as it challenges Warsaw and Krakow for visitors. Virtually everything you'll want to do or see is within a 20-minute walk of the old town. And yet there's plenty more to enjoy on easy day trips, including summer beach resorts on the Baltic. To tell us more, we're joined by Polish tour guide Beata Makomis and by Cameron Hewitt. Cameron is my co-author and main researcher on Poland for the Rick Steves Eastern Europe Guidebooks. They'll take your calls in just a bit at 877-333-7425. Cameron, Beata, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Cameron, I know when, when we were writing the guidebook chapter to Poland, Gdansk really is unique from a history point of view. What does little Gdansk have to do so much with big history? Well, the first thing you have to think about is it's uh, on the northern Baltic coast, so it's sort of Poland's outlet to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So the main river, the trading river, the Vistula River, flows out through Gdansk. So it's kind of the gateway to Poland for everyone else, and that makes it very cosmopolitan, very historic. Uh, it was always a big shipping city, trading city. It was part of the Hanseatic League of uh, Northern European trading cities, so it has that kind of heritage of beautiful, colorful, wealthy burgers' mansions that you might find in Bergen or Amsterdam or something like yeah. that. I mean, I see pictures of Hanseatic towns, and it's Lübeck in Germany is that way, and they're big, stately, medieval powerhouses from a trade point of view. And back then, Gdansk was right in the same league with those uh, those other famous big cities. So when we think about Poland, it's one of the bigger countries in Europe, and uh, of course, Warsaw is the massive central capital city. The historic capital in a lot of ways was Krakow, which is closer to Prague and, and what people think of as Eastern Europe. And Gdansk is really at the far end of that. It's kind of the maritime capital, the shipping capital, and really northern-looking. It feels almost Scandinavian, sometimes more than Polish. B, when we think of Gdansk, it's a little confusing to me because it was also called Danzig. What's the Danzig-Gdansk name situation? Where does that come from? Well, that's from the part of the his- Polish history when Gdansk belonged to Germany. And because it was right on the coast of the sea that doesn't really freeze in the winter, it's been always a spot that wanted to be owned by many, Russia, Poland, Germany. It just so happened that Gdańsk has been going back and forth between Poland and Germany. Okay, um, so when it's in German hands, it's Danzig. It's Danzig, yes. And when it's in Polish hands? It's Gdańsk. Gdańsk. Let's talk more about its history. Cameron mentioned the importance of World War II essentially starting there. What, what happened in Gdansk at the beginning of World War II? September 1st, um, 1939, 4 a.m. Schleswig-Holstein, a German ship, was ducked right off of the coast there by Westerplatte. And that night, German soldiers attacked from the sea and from the land. German soldiers attacked uh, uh, Gdansk. Gdansk, yes. okay. Gdansk was the first major spot where fights took place. And a very famous battle was battle of the post office people, people who work in the post office in Gdansk and tried to protect that building for three days. Unfortunately, they fell. But to this day, it's almost to us like Alamo. Uh, like to the Americans, Alamo. right? I mean, they fought fight that... They, they knew going to lose. And they yes. were going to lose because you're up against Germany, which is much, much stronger. Right. Yeah. right. They were the only one prepared in that war, really. They planned that ahead of time. And they took us by complete surprise. So that was the first invasion of Hitler. Yes. 
Cameron, you mentioned also this was the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union, and there's a memorial to that. That's right. And uh, there's a place in Gdansk where you look in one direction and you can see Vesterplatte, where the first shots of World War II were fired. And then you look in the other direction and you can see the cranes of the shipyards, which is where in 1980 they had the solidarity strikes. It was the first successful trade union strike against the Soviet bloc regime. Successful because after a couple of weeks of protest, they actually agreed to some of the workers' demands. And a lot of people credit that protest, the solidarity protest, with being the beginning of the end of communism in Europe. Because I remember everybody was holding their breath. What's the Soviet Union going to do? Will they let this happen and then it'll happen elsewhere or will they clamp down on it? Right. And it took a good nine years for it to trickle out across the rest of Europe and there were fits and starts. But this was the first time that there were successful strikes against the Soviets. And that was where we have that iconic image of Lech Walesa climbing onto the top and rallying the workers. That's right. Lech Walesa was a shipyard electrician. He'd already been fired from the shipyards because he was kind of a rabble rouser. And when he saw that there was a protest going on, he said, geez, I got to go be with my people. So he famously went and scaled the fence to get into the shipyards and became the leader of this uprising. And then he was the spokesperson and he was the negotiator. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Beata Makomis and Cameron Hewitt about Gdansk in Poland. You know, Cameron, we're talking about all this amazing history from this one town. There's some impressive new museums or some very impressive museums to learn more about that when we go to Gdansk. Can you give a review of the important history museums? Yeah, there are three fantastic museums that have all just opened in the last few years, and they're all just cutting edge, top of the line. They do a beautiful job of telling their story. The first one is the European Solidarity Center, which is built right in those shipyards where uh, Lech Wałęsa had his protest, the Solidarity Protests, and it just beautifully tells the story of the protest from the very beginning to the very end and the, and the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, the result was the first free elections in Poland. The second one, also in Gdansk, is a World War II museum that just opened in 2017. That one's a little tricky. It's, a, it's really well done, uh, top of the line, high tech, uh, but the content has been fiddled with by the government. We'll talk about that maybe a little later. But uh, to round out the three great new museums in this area, a couple towns over uh, the town of Gdynia, which is a half-hour train ride away, there's a fantastic immigration museum that also just opened recently. And in the terminal building where a lot of Polish people emigrated to the United States or Canada. And it's, again, high-tech, a beautiful museum that tells the story of Polish immigrants to the New World. Because when you think about why we care about Poland in America, why we care about Italy, why we care about Sweden and Ireland, so much of it is because there was a diaspora from those countries during hard times. And a lot of people left Poland, and there's a museum there near Gdansk for people to learn about that. I remember, uh, B, when I went to the Museum of the Solidarity, just outside of those gates that we all remember from those heady times, there's an amazing memorial built there by the workers. That must be close to the hearts of people who were there and and witnessed that. Can you describe that memorial that's in the square? Yes, that memorial is dedicated to the fallen shipyard workers of 1970. So they were memorialized in the 1980s, and just to remember them was quite a strong statement, Correct. I think. And that shows that the movement, Solidarity Movement, was built on something bigger, on people fighting way before 1980. Now, Cameron, you mentioned that the World War II Museum is now a political hot potato because why? I mean, because everybody gets to tell history the way they want to. What's going on in Poland? Well, in 2017, in Gdansk, in this beautiful purpose-built building, they they opened the Museum of the Second World War, uh, which uh, had a very ambitious vision to be a museum about Poland's experience, but also, more broadly, the global experience of World War II. Around that same time, uh, the government decided to remove the director of the museum just before it opened and replaced him with a party loyalist, and a lot of critics observed that they changed the exhibits quite heavily to slant it a little bit more towards a more purely 
patriotic Polish perspective. It was always a Polish perspective, but there was some controversial changes that were made. And I went and toured it for the first time a few months ago. And I could, having known the story, I could tell a few cases where, okay, this feels like they kind of ad- adapted this or they've wedged this in. And so I was, I was disappointed as someone who, who reviews uh, museums for a living. I thought it could have been maybe the great World War II museum in all of Europe. It mm. was spectacular. But you can see where they've kind of taken some liberties. And there's sort of shadows of the of the original exhibit that are still really beautiful. And then other things that just feel kind of like taking a, a sharp turn away from what it could have been. So this museum that had so much potential to be a great destination kind of museum was envisioned before the far right-wing government established itself. And uh, suddenly a centrist, more balanced approach to World War II became a uh, tool for a, a nationalistic far-right government. Exactly, yeah. So a, a, a trained historian director of the museum was replaced by a party loyalist and, and was given, it would seem, was given instructions to, to adapt the exhibits to make them more, more purely patriotic. Wow. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with two experts on Poland, Beata Makomis and Cameron Hewitt, and we're talking about Gdansk, the port in the far north that really is an up-and-coming destination for travelers. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Nicole's given us a ring from Victoria in British Columbia. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Those museums sound, sound really interesting to visit um, during the day, and I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for things to do in the evening. Good question. B, if we're there in the evening, after dark in Gdansk, what do people do? Well, that depends what age bracket you're in. Let's say you're young and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can stay in Gdansk, lots of clubs, bars. You can uh, take a tram or city bus a little bit further outside of uh, the old part of town into the shipyards where more grungy kind of parties take place. So where, this is edgy, grunge nightlife. Right, where you have bars that were built in shipping containers with some human-made beaches and, you know, partying outside. Or you could go to Sopot. And the good thing about Sopot is that um, even though you do have to take the SKM, which is the fast uh, train, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to get there. And the train uh, goes back and forth between Gdansk and Sopot every hour in the middle of the night. Nicole, there's plenty to do after dark in Gdansk. Thanks for your call. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Take care. One more idea, Rick, uh, after dark, something a little more sedate. They've done a really beautiful job of developing the riverfront embankments. This was this great shipping city, so there's a river running right through the middle. Mm-hmm. And there's an old island called Granary Island where there were 400 medieval granaries that were bombed out in World War II. So it was basically a deserted war zone right up until a few years ago. And now they're completely redeveloping that, and they're adding embankments along the side of it, and they're connecting it to the other side of the river with a couple of new pedestrian bridges. So even just in the last two or three years, it's becoming an even more appealing place just to go out strolling after dark. There's a beautiful uh, philharmonic building that's right oh. there along the embankment. So there's, there's a lot of culture and kind of general evening bustle in Gdansk these days. You know, I think there's that energy that you feel in what was run down Eastern Europe. There's the scars of World War II that are actually turned into something kind of trendy and edgy and creative. Uh, districts like that, wherever you go in Eastern Europe and, and in Gdansk, certainly. Uh, I know, B, that you're interested in the uh, the street art, and there's a lot of murals in a town nearby. Can you talk a well, little bit about that? Yes, it's actually uh, not a town. It's just a neighborhood, uh-huh. a Zaspa neighborhood. Zaspa, so that's Z-A-S-P-A. Correct. Zaspa. Mm-hmm. It's a neighborhood like any neighborhood anywhere in Poland. You have those big communist-style blocks, right. uh, buildings made out of uh, concrete blocks. And well, what to do with that? 
how to beautify it. Well, let's organize international contest. And between the 19, uh, 2009 and 2016, people from all over the world would come artists. and paint artists, yeah. paint murals on the side of those tall buildings, often 10, 11 story tall. Whoa. And you have about 60 of them. Oh, my goodness. So it's like you could make a tour of these. Right. And you can even download a free map to see all of them. It takes about an hour to two hours. Depends okay. how fast you're walking. So you see different themes, different colors. No political agenda in that. These are great opportunities to go to a city most of us have never thought of and see a lot of happening now sort of ways that people are creative and uh, turning their city into something that has their personality. We're exploring Poland's seaside city of Gdańsk right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Our guests are Polish-born tour guide Beata Makomis and Cameron Hewitt, who co-authors the Rick Steves Guidebooks to Eastern Europe. Elinda's calling in from Deerfield Beach in Florida. Elinda, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Hi, everyone. It's been fascinating listening what you're saying about the museum. So we visited a few years ago, so we did not see the museum that opened last year. But my question is that when we were in Gdansk, uh, every day it was pouring rain. And um, we had my mother with us who had to be in a wheelchair. We were wheeling over uh, cobblestone streets in, in the rain. And what I'd like to know, we went in June. When is a good time to visit when it would not be such a rainy season? Well, Beata, you grew up in that area. What about the climate? What about the weather? First of all, I want to say I'm sorry you experienced the rain in June because that's really not typical for this part of Poland. Uh, usually our summers, uh, June, July, and August, are pretty nice and warm. So I would say in the middle of the summer uh, would be the best time to go. But I hope that even though you had the rain there in Gdańsk, you still get to do um, lots of fun things and you were able to experience the city. Yeah, that's too bad. It, I mean, the weather is, especially these days, the weather is unpredictable. I, I find in much of uh, that part of Europe, you have humid times in the summer and it builds up and you have a rainstorm in the afternoon, but it changes quickly. And I just think you need to be dressed for whatever weather you encounter. Thanks, Alinda. Thank you. I guess we just had bad luck. You Thanks had bad lot. luck. <laughs> Beata, there's so much going on with history, and, and the city is getting spiffed up for visitors. What about the cultural scene? Do people go to enjoy music and theater as travelers in Gdansk? Oh, absolutely. If you're on a budget, stay in, uh, in the city center, and you'll see a ton of street musicians. If you have a little bit of more money, you can go to Symphony there in Gdansk or visit uh, Shakespeare Theater which is not just by name, but the theater itself was designed and built the way British uh, theater was back then oh, built. In the of, round? Yes, round with theater. the balconies around, oh, nice. uh, with the stage in the center. So definitely a place to visit and see a play. It sounds like Gdansk is doing a lot to rival Warsaw and Krakow as one of the top three cities to see in Poland. Let's just finish off talking a little bit about food because uh, all this sightseeing is going to stoke our appetite and we want to eat smartly. What are your tips, Bieta, for uh, eating well in Gdansk? Eating well, in my opinion, doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money. You can start with street vendors. Food is always fresh and is delicious. My favorite food from the street would be a piece of freshly made bread, thick piece of bread with a spread on it. Uh, I'm not sure if I should mention what it's in that spread, Go ahead. but it's we made out of it. pig's fat with bacon and onions. And really, that's one of my most favorite things to eat. What's the name? Smollett? Smollett. 
malas. Yes. And oh. this is street food. That's a street food, yes. All right. And then you can also have a zapikanka. Mm-hmm. If you want to be more sophisticated, and go, you can go to Milk Bar, which is uh, very affordable. And you basically eat the food that I cook at home. And zapi, what was that? Zapikanka. What That's, does that mean? Um, it's a baguette with mushrooms and onions and melted cheese on top. Sounds good. It looks kind of like a French bread pizza, but it's a it's a really trendy thing. It used to be kind of a hardship food. Uh, it was kind of a, an easy fast food people could get out. And now it's becoming like an art form all over Poland. But now they're putting all these crazy international toppings on them, too. It's kind of a fun, a fun, uh, a new trend. Very important. And you can, even if you don't remember the name, you can see it's sort of like a baguette pizza. Exactly. Thing, and it's to go. It's sold to take away. Yes. And of course, Always. milk bars make comeback. It used to be for working people who came home late to take to go and eat there or for students. Uh-huh. Now, milk bars are becoming more popular because the Western type of food uh, came in to Poland in 1989, and that started pushing away the foods that we grew up eating that was cooked by our parents and grandparents. Now we're rediscovering how really ah, the food was back then. The rise of the milk the, bar, the return right, of the milk r- bar. Right. And the food is simple yet delicious. The menu changes depends on the season and what's available. And then, of course, you have the restaurants where the Polish cuisine is coming back, it's returning to. And we're not talking Polish fusion. No, the good Polish food, like pierogi, for example made in a hundred different ways, steamed, baked, boiled in a hot water, so many different uh, fillings inside. Nice. Cameron, as an American traveling in Poland, what do you remember as the uh, rewarding dimension of eating? Well, one of the things is, as Beata is saying, it's really inexpensive. You can have yeah. amazing traditional food for not too much money. All the traditional hearty Polish food she's talking about, it's true. You can get them now, and they're they're doing them in a really... Not exactly a fusion way or an international way, but an upmarket way. There's a great uh, little pierogi bar I went to in Gdansk on this last trip, Mandu, and it's tucked in this back street near the train station, no tourists anywhere nearby, and it's just this beautiful little place that's almost entirely for locals and, uh, you know, international foodies who've done their homework, and you have to wait for a table, but it's this beautiful menu of different kinds of pierogi prepared all different ways with different fillings. So it's really fun to go to Gdansk and get off the main street and find some back streets areas that are a little more trendy and a little more experimental while still giving respect to the Polish tradition. Nice. Beata McComas, Cameron Hewitt, thank you so much for giving us a better appreciation of a city we should all be mindful of next time we plan a trip to Poland. Gdansk. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.